Nope, we're not going to do it today. We're not going to talk about Jerome Powell. We're not going to talk about the federal funds rate. We're not going to talk about inflation and whether or not it's going to go up or down. We're not going to talk about commodity prices and mortgage rates and the housing bubble and car prices and so on and so forth. I want to talk about something a bit different today. I want to talk about investing, in particular, stock picking. And in this video, we're going to go over three stocks that I actually think are great value right now. These are companies that I own a share of. I, I have a little bit of them and I'm going to be adding more to them. The companies are Microsoft, Google, and Adobe. And we're going to be looking at the fundamentals of each of these three companies. Now, before we jump into that specifically, I just want to highlight something here. If we look at this map of the market, this is the S&P 500. You can see clearly that it's red. In fact, this is vibrant red. We have companies down 15, 16% just over the past 30 days. This is a sell-off. Many people we're asking for sell-offs a year ago. They were saying, everything's too expensive. I wish prices would come down a little bit. That's what a lot of us were saying a year ago, that stocks were up too high and we'd like to get them at a discount. But now we have the discount. Now we have stocks trading down like crazy. Now, ironically, when stocks are the best time to be buying them, they're the best price and the valuations have come down dramatically now nobody wants to talk about individual stocks. All the content that we're seeing on YouTube, on Twitter, on TikTok is all about the Fed, all about inflation, all about macroeconomics. Well, I want to change pace in this video. I want to turn and focus on actually investing and investing in individual companies. And we all know the phrase, we should become more greedy. We should become more aggressive when others become more fearful. And any way you slice and dice this, any objective measurement we look at, we see investors becoming not only fearful, but extremely fearful. That's the measurements now. Other investors are becoming extremely fearful and now may be a good time to start increasing our buys and looking at the best potential deals. So in the spirit of stock picking, in the spirit of actually making investments that might make us money over the next while, I wanna focus on three different companies that are ones in my portfolio that I plan on buying over the upcoming months. And these are ones that I'm invested in, but the price has gotten so low for them that I think it's worth revisiting. Uh, before we get into those specific companies, I have to do a portfolio update. For those of you new, I track my performance with transparency, my net returns, every single video uh, all the time. So anytime you check in, you'll be able to see this performance. Now, the Story Fund is my tech growth portfolio. It's not the only one I have, but this is... Uh, this is my main tech portfolio. This is the only one that I have that's focused purely on growth, which if we look at this on a total return basis, right now we're down around 25%. The S&P 500 is down 7%. So we're underperforming SPY. You can see my portfolio in blue, the S&P 500 in red. We're underperforming right now, but we've actually been slightly closing the gap over the past couple of months. Unfortunately, both the market and my portfolio have taken a nosedive over the past week. So this is what the performance looks like right now. Uh, the market's down. But again, we look at this as an opportunity, not as something to be concerned about. When I look over my holdings out of all the companies that I'm invested in, and even outside of those companies, one of them I think is the best risk reward, currently speaking, the best one. And I think it's Microsoft. I think it beats out Google, I think it beats out Adobe, I think it beats out Meta, yeah, the much cheaper big tech companies. I think Microsoft has the best risk reward and I wanna explain why. We could look at other examples. If you're looking for just inexpensive 
lowest multiple. Then I think meta is probably the top one. It's at a 12 forward PE ratio. That is very cheap. We even have Google here. Google's another cheap company that I, I frankly think is a great buy right now. It's at a 16 PE ratio. But even outside of that, the one that I think is a better buy than either of those uh, is Microsoft. And it trades at a higher multiple, a 24 forward PE ratio. The reason why is because many people looking at buying Google and Meta need to take into account that they run their businesses off of ad revenue. And ad revenue is susceptible to economic ebbs and flows. The economy's doing really well and all of these startup companies are wanting to promote their products at any expense necessary, then ad revenue is gonna go up and Google and Meta is gonna make a lot of money. If the economy really shrinks and it slows down, ad revenue is gonna go down. CPM rates, the RPM rates, the different ways of tracking the amount of revenue you earn per thousand views, that's gonna go down. And that will affect Google and Meta much more than it will affect Microsoft. Microsoft owns LinkedIn, so they do have some exposure to ad revenue, but far less than Google or Meta. Microsoft is far more diversified. They have huge revenues through gaming, through subscription gaming. They have another deal right now through Activision Blizzard where they're buying this company that's a purely gaming company that has a huge amount of free cash flow. So they have a pending deal going on right now that I think will be great for Microsoft. Um, they have 80% plus of their revenue as subscription. So it's far more reliable than ad revenue that you get from something like Google or Meta. So when I look at the PE ratio, I realize it's more expensive than a company like Meta. It's more expensive than Google. But I just think that the earnings are far more, they're far more reliable than Google or Meta or any other ad company. That's part of the reason. I also think in terms of moat, when you look at competitors to Microsoft, consider the fact that right now, TikTok is, they're, they're presenting themselves as a threat to both Meta, for sure. They're a threat to Meta. They're stealing engagement from the youth. That's the, um, the target audience that Meta is now focusing on. Meta is going after them with Instagram, but they're having this battle, this back and forth. TikTok is a real present threat to Meta. And anyone working at that company, Meta, will tell you that. They'll say, we are concerned and focused, about, uh, focused on TikTok. The same thing with Google. Google's going after TikTok with their short form video. You can see them pushing those a lot. They're always in your feed when you're scrolling. That's because they consider them to be a threat to the video format. TikTok could expand to longer form videos and even put pressure on YouTube. What's Microsoft's? What is, what is their competitors doing? Who's competing against Microsoft that they're scurrying about, very concerned about? Apple, not really. Not really affecting their business and corporate software. Salesforce, to some extent, but the metrics show that Microsoft's holding up just fine. Microsoft is taking market share from Amazon with Azure. Their cloud business is doing amazing. I don't see any real competitive threats to Microsoft. They are the most insulated of big tech, my opinion. Probably the biggest mo out of all of them. So when I compare them again, either in terms of earnings predictability or the moat of the business and competitive threats, I think that Microsoft is top tier. I think they're the highest quality of the highest quality. I put them right there in the category with Apple, and I put them with having the same moat size as Amazon, these enormously wide moat businesses that have very difficult to replicate moats. So Microsoft is top tier of top tier quality companies. Now let's go ahead and talk about the actual numbers here, the valuation and the fundamentals. Um, we know that Microsoft, again, 
is buying a company called Activision Blizzard. This is supposed to close June of next year. If you want to do an arbitrage play, you can buy Activision Blizzard right now. And if the deal closes, you'll get $95 per share, which is around a 28% return. So that's something to consider there. If the deal falls through, you still own a great company. Activision Blizzard's a great company. In my opinion, this arbitrage has a lot more risk uh, or a lot more reward than risk. I think it's a really good play. But if the deal falls through, you stand to lose maybe 15, 20% and you just hold the company at that point. So they're buying Activision Blizzard, which is a, a company not a lot of people like. Some people hate the games, but it makes a lot of money. And that's what really counts. They have the Modern Warfare franchise, which is massive. It's like Disney with Pixar and Star Wars. That's kind of how gaming is with Modern Warfare. Massive franchise. They've announced that they're coming out with Diablo 4 in 2023, and it seems like they're really trying to make a community-led game. I think that'll be a success. They own so many other games. You could go through and look at the list, but this is a massive company that has high amounts of free cash flow, that has a ton of intellectual property that will add to the franchise of Microsoft if this deal goes through. So the Activision Blizzard deal, I think, is a huge catalyst for Microsoft. I think it's going to make the company much stronger. They'll have more gaming franchise to add to their huge, I think, big dominant lead in gaming. The only company that they're smaller than in gaming is Tencent. Microsoft will be in second place after this deal closes if it closes. So as a Microsoft shareholder, I'm hopeful that the deal goes through. I think it's a great property for them to pick up. Now, the price has come down for this company. Microsoft is down 29% year to date, and that's about from its all-time high. So it's down 29% from its all-time high. It trades at the 24 PE ratio, which is just too cheap for this company. Trades at a free cash flow yield of 3.7%. Again, my opinion, just too cheap for this company. If we look at some of the actual metrics here, we have the growth of the company. It's growing in the last five years by 17% annualized. 17% compound annual growth rate in the past five years. Right now with their growth, because of the macro economic situation, because of especially foreign exchange ratios with the dollar being so expensive right now, um, their revenue outside of the U.S. is actually worth less than it used to be, and that's hurting their profitability. So they are getting a lot of growth, but the foreign exchange issue is a problem that Microsoft's currently dealing with that they're trying to get over. Then we can look at the other growth rates of the company. We have the EBITDA growth at a five-year compound annual growth rate of 24%. See this explosive growth? What's amazing to me is the past five years, Microsoft has grown much faster than the past 10 years. Meaning that over time, the law of large numbers says, as the company gets bigger, growth should slow down. That's what people always say. Company gets bigger and bigger, it's harder to grow, so the growth should slow down. That's not what Microsoft has done. You look at the actual growth rates of the company, and it was 10%, 14% during this time period. In the past five years with Azure, with all their business developments, growth is actually accelerating. In the past one year, it was again 17%. Pretty incredible growth. The free cash flow looks very similar. Uh, the past two years, it's been 10% per year, or 20% per year, sorry. The past five years, it's average a 15% compound annual growth rate. Just incredible growth and profitability, EBITDA and overall revenue. We see the same things in their, their net income, massive growth. Uh, we see the same things in their 
earnings per share. All these profitability metrics are showing a very fast growing company. The EPS grew at 28.9% compound annual growth rate for the past five years. Even if you zoom out to the past 10 years, it's 17%. So at a 24 forward PE ratio with an unassailable wide moat that Microsoft has and the above average growth rate given the rest of the market, I don't think it's expensive at all. In fact, I continually believe that this company is undervalued. My fair value estimate for Microsoft currently is $350, over $100 above what it currently trades at. So we are so far apart of where this company actually trades today and where I think the fair value is. Over $100 difference, and it looks like it might even get further. Every day it's just trading downwards. I don't think this is because the fundamentals of the company are deteriorating. Microsoft has incredible fundamentals that get better every single year. The acquisition of Activision Blizzard was an expensive one. Um, they're paying a lot of cash for the company, uh, about $70 billion for it. So it's an expensive company. It'll take a big hit on the balance sheet, but Microsoft can afford it in basically one year. With their one year of operating free cash flow, they can pick up a company like Activision Blizzard without using any debt. So they're not putting the shareholder in a situation where they're buying a company, but they're leveraging, taking a lot of risk and taking on a lot of debt at questionable interest rates. No, Microsoft doesn't do that. They buy the company using cash on hand and their cash to debt will likely be pretty neutral. They're not gonna be leveraged at all. And any cash hit that they, they get, again, they'll likely be able to make up in one year's time. And meanwhile, they're buying Activision Blizzard, which is a cash cow of a company itself, adding billions of dollars of free cash flow per year. So this is something, again, beneficial to the shareholder. The dividend growth is another strong point of Microsoft, 11.65% compound annual growth rate of the dividend over the past decade. They grew at 10% last year. The shares outstanding, we can see this going in the reverse, which is what we want to see. So we want to see the shares outstanding going down as they're giving us more equity in the company, buying back shares. And over the past decade, it's been about 1% per year. They've reduced the shares outstanding. So you see the shares going down a little bit every single year. That's exactly what we want to see. The ratios of the company, if you're a follower of Terry Smith and you're looking for high quality companies, You'll know that one of the ways to judge a high quality company is what's called the return on capital employed, ROCE. It's basically a measurement for how much the company spends in its business and reinvestment and how much money it makes back from those reinvestments. Microsoft's ROCE is incredibly and consistently high. Now this chart doesn't look consistent because it starts at 10%, but a baseline of 10% is great. That means the lowest that it's ever gone since 1987 is down to 12%. And this is really good. That's actually very high. Some companies don't even get up to 12%. So this ROCE from Microsoft is phenomenal. The history of it shows that it ebbs and flows. Some periods like 2008, it was 52%. It went down to 13%. But now it's starting to trend back upwards with Azure and these other investments making huge returns. We're trending back up to 30% plus huge amounts of ROCE, good returns on the investments they make. When they get money out there in their business, they get better returns on it. Gross margins, very consistently high. If you can't see right here, 
the baseline is 60%. So this shows the changes over time, but they're, they're pretty dramatized here. Overall, the gross margin sticks somewhere around 65 to 70%. Microsoft is dead set on having their gross margins right around 70%. They'll always make that their target. So if you look at this chart, look at the 70% mark. That's right where Microsoft wants to keep it. Um, operating margin is always incredibly good. It's up to 42% right now. Profit margin is also incredibly good. Right now, it's at 37%. High profits, high margins, high return on capital employed, fast-growing business, peccable balance sheet, wide moat. I think it faces virtually no real significant threat in the marketplace right now, and it's trading at a 24 PE ratio. My opinion, it's worth over $100 more. So the, the thing that we look at here, when I'm looking at buying these companies, just a reminder, there's two basic risks that you look at buying a company like Microsoft or Apple or Tesla or any of them. Two basic risks. One of them is fundamental risk. Fundamental risk is when the company fundamentally performs really poorly. They have deterioration. They have competitors take their business or their moat. You have some companies that fundamentally face a lot of issues and that's one risk that you want to minimize. Now, the way that you minimize fundamental risk is by investing in high quality companies. Companies with the qualities that Microsoft has minimizes that fundamental risk. The other risk that you have investing in a company like this is valuation risk. Valuation risk means you just buy a great company too expensive and it trades down to fair value. That's the valuation risk. The way that you minimize your chances of having valuation risk is buying the company when others are very fearful about it, when others don't want to own individual stocks, when they're selling out of the stock market. So you can minimize the chances of valuation risk by buying on significant drops in price, significant discounts. So with buying a company like Microsoft right now, I'm minimizing two risks. I'm minimizing the fundamental risk by buying a company that has incredibly strong fundamentals, and I'm minimizing the valuation risk by buying it when it's traded well below its historical average and a huge dip. That doesn't mean that the risks are entirely gone. You can't completely erase all risk, but these are ways to minimize them. And I think I'm doing both of them in this case with Microsoft currently. Now, having said that, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is Google. I've highlighted this one as one of the best buys in the market right now. It's one of the larger holdings in my portfolio. I've invested $15,000 into it. And like most of these companies, it's recently sold off. I'm down around $1,900. Now, let's go ahead and look at Google here for a minute. Uh, when I bring this one up and look at it, the first thing that I'm drawn to is the P.E. ratio of the company. It's traded at a 16.39 Ford P.E. ratio, which is basically in line with the S&P 500, meaning investors are looking at this as the same valuation as the average of the S&P 500. I think the reasons why, if I was to nail it down to one thing, I don't really think it's TikTok I don't really think it's the ad apocalypse. I think those type of things play a little bit of a role. But I think the reason why is because Google's expected this year to actually have an earnings decline. I think that's why the stock is trading down. For example, we have the analyst estimates here. And for 2022, the year-over-year -year earnings growth is expected to decline by around 7%. So we see a minor decline in EPS because of the very tough comparables last year, and then they are expected to reaccelerate growth. But the one-year expectation is a lot more predictable than two or three or four years out. The further you get out, the more unpredictable the earnings are. So investors are looking at this and they're saying, sheesh, Google's a great company, but they did so great in 2021 
that they simply can't compete with that year. It was an unreal year where everybody was stuck home. Everybody was looking at videos all day. Google made a fortune through lots of one-time benefits. Like, for example, everybody, uh, let me highlight this. This will make sense. For example, in 2020, everybody was locked in home. So they were stuck at home. And then in 2021, everybody went on vacation. Well, guess what company makes a lot of money from ads on vacation websites and different different travel websites. Google does. They're a huge beneficiary of that. So with the economy reopening, while people are watching videos, the vacation boom and the ad boom from that was massive for Google. So those are one-time benefits that aren't gonna last long-term for the company. And now you can see the earnings starting to decline, again, because they did so good last year. And I think this is the reason the stock price is in the gutter right now, the reason it's starting to trend back down. But if we look at the actual company itself, uh, we can look at some of the fundamentals and then we can go through whether or not I think that this level of cash flow, uh, revenue and earnings is ultimately sustainable. Let's go ahead and look at some of this. We have a free cash flow yield of 5%, above 5% for Google. I think that is, it's too high. I think the company should have a lower free cash flow yield, meaning that the stock price should go up. Um, I think it's just undervalued based on a free cash flow yield. I think it's undervalued based on the PE ratio. Either way you look at the valuation, which those are the two biggest ones I look at, I think it's undervalued. If you use price to sales as well, 4.6, arguably undervalued for a company that has the margins of Google. Microsoft trades more at a nine or 10. But again, Google probably should trade at least a seven here. I don't use price to sales quite as much. I like looking at profitability metrics like PE and free cash flow. But again, overall, any way you look at this company, any metric you use, I, I think it's undervalued. We look at the growth rate of it. Over the past decade, Google has been one of the faster growing companies, um, faster growing than all of the big tech companies except for Amazon. Amazon has beat Google, but it's beat all the rest of big tech. Google has grown its 10-year revenue. The 10-year compound annual growth rate is 21%. And then last year, from 2020 to 2021, they grew by 41%. And that's the tough one to beat. So as they had this amazing year from 2020 to 2021, now they're going from 2021 to 2022, which is expected to slow down a lot. If I switch this to quarterly, we can see that here. See how we see the big jump up from here to here, and then it start to slow down? It's just tough comparables. There's nothing they can do about that. But overall, this might be a window of opportunity for us. The EBITDA shows the same thing. They're highly profitable, growing their EBITDA 21% compound annual growth rate for the last decade. The free cash flow shows the same thing. Over the past five years, the free cash flow growth has a CAGR of 21%. That is incredible. When you look at this on a free cash flow per share basis, it's the exact same. Because even though Google does some stock-based compensation, they buy back their shares continually. So they're actually growing their, their free cash flow per share 21% over the past five years. Incredible growth on their free cash flow. Incredible growth with their net income. Five-year CAGR is 31%. Uh, their earnings per share show the same thing. But again, if we switch this over to quarterly and we look at 2022, these are starting to revert a little bit. The ad revenue is going down for many channels. On my channel, for example, I have two channels and the ad revenue per thousand views has gone down a little bit over the past six months, which just means that less companies are advertising. There's a little bit less demand. So that softness in demand is impacting Google's 
earnings. And this is where investors are becoming nervous. Looking at the balance sheet, I don't know of many companies, maybe two or three that might have equally as good or better balance sheets than Google, but this has to be one of the top ones in the entire market. They have $125 billion of cash, cold hard cash, and then they have actual debt, long-term debt of $10.5 billion. And then the rest of their debt is what's called capital leases, which is basically rental agreements with different things they have for warehouses, uh, for probably servers and different things that they do. So that's it. In total, they have a massive amount of cash, over $100 billion of excess cash. They are a very cash-rich company. The shares outstanding are going down over time since 2019. Over the past five years, they've declined around the same amount as Microsoft, which is about 1% annualized. And then we look at the ratios here. Let me switch this over to annually. When I look at the high-quality companies, again, you can look at the different things that Terry Smith references with great companies. Return on capital employed is one of the main ones that he looks at. The x-axis here starts at 12%. So you see very consistently high return on capital employed. It's gone down to 15%, which is a little low for a company like Google. But then in 2021, it spiked to 27%. Overall, good enough. It's good enough return on capital employed. Gross margins are very high, 57%. Operating margins, very high, 31%. Google's a highly profitable company. 30% profit margins. Not as good as Microsoft. The fundamentals here are not as good as Microsoft, in my opinion. The only thing that I think is better is the growth rate has been a little bit better over a longer time period and the cash balance is better. But I think Microsoft has better ratios outside of that. So again, when I look at Google overall right now, trading at less than $100 per share, a 16 forward PE ratio, and a 5% free cash flow yield, even with a little bit of softening in the fundamentals of the business and the growth going down a little bit of their earnings per share, I think that's a temporary phenomenon. They grew a ton last year. It's going to decline a little bit this year, and then it will start to reaccelerate. And I think this time period of this sell-off, I think people will be looking back two or three years from now and just kicking themselves for not buying this company. My opinion, it's undervalued right now. Uh, you'll probably have to hold it for a year or so before you see any uptick in it but I think it's worth the buy in my opinion. Now, the next one that we'll look at is Adobe, a company that I've gone over with their Figma agreement, but I wanna revisit this one. Now, if we look at Adobe, there's two valuation metrics that I look at most closely, and both of them show, in my opinion, this company is undervalued. Buying Adobe at a 20 or below Ford PE ratio, I think right there is arguably going to be a good buy. And then we look at the free cash flow yield, which is my favorite valuation metric, and this is at a 5.48%. That is a high free cash flow yield, much higher than most tech companies in the market. The the problem with Adobe is one that I've gone over in recent videos where they're buying this startup company, or rather not a startup company, but a smaller company called Figma, a fast growing design oriented company. And they're buying it for $20 billion. So investors said, no way, I don't like this purchase. It's too much money for this small company. And they're selling out of Adobe and the stock price cratered like 15%. Now, The stock going down 51% year to date can be looked at as a problem if you own the company or an opportunity. I look at this as an opportunity because I think Adobe did the right thing buying Figma. Figma completes the Adobe mode and makes it so that they have their foot in the door of literally every tech company that does any amount of design. Figma with Adobe, I think will be an incredible, incredible boost to this company. 
and they could not have recreated Figma. They could not have competed with them. That wasn't an option, so I think buying them was the right thing to do. Now, even outside of the Figma deal, if we just look at Adobe's fundamentals, the numbers are pretty staggering. Over the past five years, the compound annual growth rate of the revenue is 22%. 22%, and it's accelerating over time, like many of these companies that we see. The EBITDA is 29%. They're growing their EBITDA Kager at 30% over the past five years. The free cash flow, 28%. I don't know of any other big tech company that's grown its free cash flow this rapidly. Five-year compound annual growth rate of 28%. Even on a free cash flow per share basis, it's actually gone up more, 29% because they're doing share buybacks. Uh, incredibly profitable growth from this company. The net income shows the same thing. Five years is 32%. Uh, the EPS growth is five-year, 34%. Incredibly good numbers. Now, the balance sheet right now looks really good. It has no leverage, meaning they have more cash than debt or their capital leases, which is good right now. But remember, they're paying for the Figma deal with half, half stock. So they're going to do a little bit of dilution and half cash. They're going to be paying $10 billion of it using debt. So this debt will go up from $3.5 billion to $13.5 billion, which will make it so they have around six or seven billion dollars of excess debt. So they will become a leveraged company. Again, that puts them in a, a, a little bit worse of a position with their balance sheet. But with the amount of free cash flow this company can generate, six to seven billion dollars per year, they should be able to bring those debt levels back to an unleveraged position within one year, easily back to an unleveraged position. And then they should be able to pay for the whole thing within two years if they really want to. They don't currently pay a dividend right now. Uh, the shares outstanding, however, are going down. And over the past five years, they've gone down a little bit under 1% per year. So they're just doing enough to barely lower the share count, but it's not an aggressive buyback schedule. If we look at the returns on capital employed of the company, over the past five years, it's been a little bit lower than we'd like to see, but now it's starting to trend much higher, up to 29%. Um, to give this some context, a company like Costco has around 16%. A lot of airlines have like 6 or 7%, which is awful. So having a 30% ROCE is really good. That means that they're getting a lot of money back for the money they're putting in their company. The gross margins for Adobe are very, very good. 88%, better than Microsoft's. The operating margins are 37%, also very good. Those are the margins of top tier tech companies. The profit margin is also incredibly good at 31%. A little bit below Apple and Microsoft, but... Good nonetheless. So look, I look at a company like Adobe, and again, we have those two different, those two different risks that we want to minimize. The first one being fundamental risk. Adobe is fundamentally a very strong company. So we minimize fundamental risk by buying a very strong company, a high quality company. They're becoming even more high quality with their acquisition of Figma because Figma is a would-be big competitor for Adobe, but now they own them making them have one less big competitor and have a more well-rounded product suite. So they're a high quality company that reduces the risk of fundamental risk and they're a company that's trading at a very reasonable valuation. 18 Ford PE ratio, 5.4 free cash flow yield, that reduces the valuation risk. Because right now Adobe trades at $270 per share. Just last year, the company was trading at $687 per share. The PE ratio was into the 40s. So as the price comes down, the valuation risk minimizes. If the qualities of the company maintain or stay the same or even get better, then the fundamental risk 
uh, is lowered as well. Overall, I think Adobe is just another buy right now. Now, these are three of the companies that I personally think are great deals right now, but they're not the only ones out there. There's lots of stocks at great deals. Keep that in mind when you're going about your day, listening to different content. Most content will be centered around the economy. That's what gets the clicks. That's what gets the fiery thumbnails and lots of people's attention. What the Fed is doing, what inflation is doing, that draws a lot of attention. But where you'll actually make the money is buying great companies at discounted prices. And I foresee two or three years down the road, I'm going to make a prediction that there's going to be a lot of people that were distracted during this time period that look back right now and say, I wish I would have bought when prices were so cheap on all these obviously great companies. I see a lot of that happening in the future. So that's my thoughts overall. I hope you enjoyed the video. I'll see you next time.